everybody to another episode of Overdue Rentals, the podcast where we talk about films that people have just not talking about anymore. We don't know why. I'm Matthew Shuckman. And, uh-oh. And today, it's just I'm Matthew Shuckman. Oh, so sad. Unfortunately, at time of recording, this is before Omicron really was a thing, uh, surprisingly, uh, Mike is off jet setting in his cool hip ways doing some special stuff over in England, driving around on Aston Martins and all that other fun stuff because he's James Bond. So it's just me. Thank you for joining me. It's sad that Mike's not here and hopefully I'll have him back immediately because I can't do this without him. But I'm gonna. I'm gonna power through. And today I am joined by Lauren Hathaway, the director of, uh, the director and writer, I should say, of The Novice, new film that originally premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival. Uh, it's her first feature-length debut. She's done short. She's worked in the film industry for a while in the sound department and other departments. Um, and this is both almost an overdue rental in its own right because it's for, uh, you'll hear me, you're here. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to tell her, but for a debut film uh, as a director and writer, this knocks it out of a park. People don't, people don't, could do stuff like this on their first try. This is really impressive stuff. So it's great to talk to her about it. And, you know, it's, it's something that I say it's an overdue rental kind of immediately on because it's coming out at a time where award season's, right, you know, about to start and all the, all the big things are out and they're kind of dominating the field. So you may miss this one, but don't miss it. Go see it immediately, wherever you can, however you can. Um, but without further ado, I think we should just let her in because we got to talk to Lauren about the novice end. Maybe some special surprises. Lauren, come on in. How you doing? I'm good. I'm uh, in beautiful Los Angeles talking about this movie that's finally coming out after years and years and years and years. So uh, yeah, well, years. I I saw I saw the Tribeca, fell in love with it when I saw it, and I gotta say, look, I know you've been, uh, you know, in in the industry in different roles for a long time. I know there was a short version of this beforehand. But for a debut feature-length film, man, this is this is something special. This is the I'm not trying to get too overpumped and like you know overly uh, you know um, fanatically about it. This is like Paul Thomas Anderson with Sydney kind of stuff. This is impressive. Well, thank you. We'll take that. <laughs> um, but I want you know for people who may not know who don't look into these things, you know, I, I know that you did do collegiate rowing. And I know that there are parts of this that are not necessarily, we'll call autobiographical, but it comes from your experiences. If you had to put percentage-wise on it, how much is this is you and how much of this is just telling a story that you wanted to tell through your experiences? Um, well, you know, I, I would say that I took my four years of collegiate rowing and 10 years of coming of age and compressed it into this film. So, you know, the, the physical aspects that you're seeing, the injuries, the, the, the physical toll of it, I mean, that is pulled from either my experiences, my teammates' experiences, or talking to other rowers. And then the the sort of emotional things that are happening in it. Um, you know, honestly, a lot of those things are pulled from breakups. Uh, and I wrote the first draft of the script in July, 2017. And, you know, we shot it in the, the very end of 2019. And um, in the two years of endless revisions, uh, I went through a couple of trying times and would write those sort of uh, emotional traumas into the script and use that as catharsis. So 
Um, I don't know how much is me, but there's certainly a lot of it uh, and kind of exploited myself uh, fully to work through some things. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty raw look, I think, at my internal self, I would say. Now, talking about those physical aspects of, of the sport itself, you know, when you, when you hire Isabel to come on, you know, you know, obviously she's going to give her all. It's not like she's going to like half-ass it here. But were you at all kind of not necessarily impressed, but like felt that you, you didn't think she was going to even go to the lengths that she went to to get ready for this? Or like, you know, oh, she actually understands this a lot more than I thought somebody who had no idea about the sport could understand it. Well, I think, you know, going part of the reason I cast her is I could see this ferocity in her and, and that I thought would be needed. And I was clear to the producers from, from the beginning and, and also to, to Isabel. And um, like, there are no doubles in this. And this is not a sport you can pick up in an afternoon. I mean, even with the extras, I had to personally interview every single one. Because, you mm -hmm. know, actors do that. Like, yeah, I can row. I can ride a horse. I can play guitar. And then, then they fucking figure it out once they get the job. I'm like, we can't fucking have that here. Like, I had to suss everyone out. And I found a lot of people doing that actually thing. But, like, with the two leads, both Isabel and, and Amy, um, they had to learn how to row. And everyone else kind of was real rowers cast from that. And, um it it was uh i mean she had to start immediately she had six weeks she was training hours and hours and hours every single morning every single day and then also doing her own kind of like lifting and things after that and um was sending me videos of her progress and i was talking to her coach every day because unfortunately you know i had to go basically right after she was cast i had to go off to, to canada to location scout and do all the prep and everything but was staying in constant touch with her and she was even asking me like how what do i do about my blisters what do i do with my hands my, my blah, 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 blah. And, you know, talking to her about that and she was totally completely dedicated and it was nerve wracking because the thing is truthfully like the singles, um, you know, just one person in one boat, those boats are so easy to flip and that's something in my growing career I never really did never really mastered. I've only been on a single couple times. And so I gotta fucking tell you I was really nervous having to put these actresses in. Um, both Amy and Isabel into these boats because like what they did in those singles was more than I ever did in my own career so mm -hmm. I was like please do not fucking fall in the water please do not flip please do not flip oh my god especially the um the last uh the last scene we shot over the course of three nights and we got exactly like one shot of everything we needed a frame made a direction totally unusable and um I was just watching and the city opened the fucking dam and all the boats were getting stuck down to the the river and <laughs> And um, they didn't tell us they were doing that. And then you have the five boats in the shot. And you oh have like camera, camera boat, sound boat, safety boat, taxi boat, houseboat, light boat, all of these boats bumpering into each other. And they're going backwards too. Like you can't see where you're going. And these boats are like just seconds to go in. And I was just praying to all the gods that have ever existed in all the universes of every religion. Like, please, for the love <laughs> of God, please do not fall in. Because if, any, if they would have gone in, we would have been fucked, totally fucked. So I was so impressed. Um, they did something that I had never done, really. So props to both of them. You know, you you said yourself, you know, that this went through a lot of changes while you were prepping it. And just like any film, you know, from, from inception to filming is a long time. From filming to any type of initial release, like film festivals, is a long time. And now it's finally coming out. Has any of your views on what you were trying to say or the performances or the way it looks, has it changed at all since now that it's finally gonna be there for people to see? The one thing that I've, uh, cause I'm, I'm really happy with the film and, and, and you're right. I think the film, the cliche, you write a film three times when you write it and you direct it and when you edit it, that's very true with this. Um, the one thing that I think I was most surprised by and that now that has come up a few times, I'm like, 
yeah, actually, that is something. Is people who aren't American comment on how American this movie is, hmm. um, and I'm like, you know what, you're not wrong. And I guess I am a product of that and that sort of because it's the interesting thing is this is a team sport and but this is someone who's so individualist within it and so kind of ambitious and driven and and uh, achieving overall else like it is a very kind of American. Uh, uh, horror story in a way um so that was something i mean that's not that that's my almost interpretation and almost i've actually since it's come up a couple of times i've done a little bit of self-evaluating and i recently moved to france uh too and so i've gotten away from uh the u.s for the first time and it's given me perspective so that's certainly out of left field i would say yeah but in the same breath you know while sports and the sport is obviously a big part of the film you know, this is still talking about a mental health situation in general, if you want to generalize it, and about, you know, the way people can, in both good and bad ways, pressure themselves to be a certain type of person that they may or may not be. So, you know, if people should have to be able to look beyond that as well to, to, to kind of clamp all those things away from, from what they're watching. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that I equate, and it's sort of this, you know, I know self-care is big these days, mental health, which is great, we're talking about it, but I also think I've, I've noticed the pendulum swung too far in the direction that, and I've been guilty of this myself too. I'm like, I gotta take care of myself, I gotta whatever. I'm like, no, you're just being fucking lazy and making excuses. There's, there's a fine line between this, between being obsessed and being just totally making excuses for things. Like, how do you find the middle ground? I think like with this this film, you know, grit and ambition are themes that I really relate to and wanted to explore. And um, it was, uh, um, I sort of equate, you know, Jamie in the film, she's a Ferrari, Alex is a, a Honda. And if you put them both on a highway, the, the Ferrari coasting, um, a Honda can beat the Ferrari. Like if it's pedal to the metal and it's willing to blow out its engine, it could fucking win that race if the Ferrari's coasting. And that's both a good and bad thing. Like, you know, I think there's a bell curve of kind of average and, you know, I'm somewhere on that bell curve, but if I'm willing to put in the, the sort of blood, sweat and tears equity investment, I can push myself a little bit further up that curve. And I think having success, any kind of success in, in, the, in this industry, which is so competitive. I mean, anyone who's been in LA, everyone's got a script. When I, when I left my first career, which I was doing pretty well and to do this, to tell people that I wanted to be a writer director was so embarrassing. I was like, like you and everyone else, kid, like yeah. that was fucking embarrassing. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, I think my sort of the theme of my whole life and my MO and what I constantly try to reflect on and think about is nuance, like everything with nuance, um, both both uh, focus and drive and ambition, but also the self-care and, and being whatever, like I want to be happy and I found more balance. So I don't know, it's a, it's nuance, like finding kind of the, the sweet spot of all of that. There, there's maybe, I and mean, this is, this is definitely, I think this is probably just me. And I, and I said this in the past and uh you know, it may be that I dug into things a little too much. I like to tear things apart and kind of overanalyze things because I, when I finished the film, the first thing I thought about in, in a lot of ways is I started to comparing your Alex to Alex of A Clockwork Orange in some ways, not because of anything they've personally done that is similar in any way whatsoever, but this idea of a person who at the end of the day, when we're finished with their journey, it's almost as if nothing has changed. And I'm wondering, is there another outside influence that affected where you wanted to see your Alex go? 
Um, well, I equate, you know, the last shot of the film, I, I really kind of equate to The Graduate, you know, it's like mm-hmm. um, this whole film, get the girl and happily ever after, but is it, it's like what happens after the fucking, you get the girl, like what's next? And I think um, for, for Alex in this film, it's, it's, she's done this thing, she's hit this point of achievement. And um, I think she has leveled up as a person. She has learned, we get a little bit of backstory about her first, um, yeah you know, whatever. But at the end, it's like, she's done this thing. And it's like, now what, what's next? And uh, for me, that's something that I'm kind of uh, exploring. And I think too, the other thing I wanted to go into, I mean, this is like the sort of, I love the sort of obsessed artist films. I love films like, like Black Swan and, and Whiplash and these kind of things. I, I fucking love them. But the thing that I've never connected to is that there's always this external force or they're always trying to be the best or, or, or win, be the best ballet dancer or the best drummer of all time or, or go, you know, in sports films, winning the big game or winning the Olympics, going to the Olympics or all these different things. Like I wanted to explore obsession and grit and things um, where you're doing it for the sake of doing it. Um, you're doing it for the sake of the challenge uh, in some ways. I mean, maybe it's, it's meditative in a really fucked up, twisted way, but you're present in the moment and focused on this challenge. And it's like, it's this the, the idea of you know shark they have to keep swimming or they sink and that's how that's how kind of I relate to they need a mm-hmm. constant challenge need a constant struggle um, so I wanted to to look at that version of the story without the external pressure where it's really Alex is the hero and the villain at the same time she is the internal and external pressure um, everyone around her is basically just white noise. It is such a complex character, which is something that I don't think a lot of films get these days. Either they just are too wrapped up in trying to tell a very concise story that they don't give enough attention to character development like that or or depth of a character like that. As you said, there have been multiple changes as you were writing it. Was everything about her a constant though, or were there changes? I think there were changes. I mean, for me, I, this is one of the first things, the scripts that I've written, I've written like novels and things that no one will ever read in drawers, but in terms of my writing process, the, the pattern that I've picked up is I'm very much a kind of throw it all, throw up on the page and just get it all out and write a first draft in three weeks. And then by the time you and not look, not go back, not refine things, just fucking plow through and have a couple beats. Like this is, you know, I know, I always know where it's going to end, but I don't know most of along the way. Um, and when you get to the end, you're kind of discovering the character when you're doing that, you're figuring out who she is and you're getting these things. And um, it is this evolution. I mean, a, a script, um, until you put the film, you know, until it's picture lock printed, what even picture lock version 16, you know, mm-hmm. um, until it is like printed and done and, and whatever, uh, it is an organic, growing, evolving uh, organism. Um, and so, yeah, Alex was changing constantly the, the character from the first draft of the script that I wrote in July 2017 to. Um, you know, even when we were on set shooting, I was having to rewrite things either for a lot of it was because of weather or, you know, the shit show of making a film on the water in the wintertime, um, yeah. as you can imagine. But then too, I mean, Al- Isabel bringing her interpretation to this character, the things that she did, um, you know, I had this script in my head for years and there were scenes where she would come in and bring something to it. Like I would give, you know, we talked about the scene before, of course, and but I'd kind of like let her do her thing. And so many times I was like, holy fuck, like this was never, I had no, even this emotional scene in the bathroom with her and Danny and the, the, the fight that they have. And the way I had that in my head was so different than what they did. And when, what they did um, that day on that day, like it literally brought me to tears and it was extremely emotional. And I couldn't have known that. I couldn't have written that. Like yeah. it's, 
evolving. And then two, when you edit it, it becomes something else. And when you add the, the, the sound design, when you add the score, when you add the music, all of these things, even the color, everything that you're doing is, is sort of affecting the narrative in a way. Um, it's all synergy. Well, I think it's also brilliant about it. And I'm sure this is something that's never purely intentional because I don't know why anybody would sit and say, unless this is the point of their film, why they'd worry about this. Because I've I've come to the point in my life where I think I'm now hitting that age where I'm becoming that, you know, like old craggly man who like doesn't understand the younger generations and all that stuff. But this film, like there's, there's, there's that line doesn't exist. Everybody at no matter where they are in their life, unless you're like complete adolescent, can kind of understand and connect to the emotions what's going on in the film. Yeah, and I think because this is, I mean, this was my catharsis to explore my neurotic 18 to 22 year old self mostly. Um, but these are things that I think, and I was nervous when I first wrote the script and, and whatever, sending it out to people because rowing is so, it's such a niche sport and, and um, it is, you know, it's about an 18 year old, uh, but people relate to it. And I think that's because whether or not you've rowed, whether or not you, you you are this age, I think we've had, most people have had these moments of being obsessive about something, whether it is a career or whether it is a, you know, creative endeavor that you're doing, music writing, whatever, or a relationship, um, falling in love, all of these things, we, we kind of know this, uh, this toxic, um, I mean, maybe there's people out there who haven't experienced this stuff and they're well balanced <laughs> and uh, I haven't met them. Um, if yeah. I have, perhaps they're scared of me and, and don't want to be with be around me, but um. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what your question was, but uh, yeah, something in there. Yeah, well, there, there are definitely people out there who either don't admit they've experienced certain things, or if they haven't, they're just one of those lucky few who just somehow, I don't know, just their their mind works. And I, I still don't understand how other people operate. I really don't. You know, I, 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 I look at people day to day and so I have to do something. I'm like, how how is it that people do this? I, I don't get it. No, and I don't. I mean, that's and that's what I find. I mean, I I'm drawn to care. I love all genres of, of films and like uh, I, other things I've written. I, I have comedy, I have horror, I have historical fantasy, action. Um, but the thing that drives all of these is the psychology of the character and what makes people tick. And I think people are yeah. so twisted and and fucked up and interesting and and even getting into like. Uh, nerdy, uh, you know, neuroscience and how does dopamine work in the brain and how these things influence what you're doing and what is earlyhood trauma and generational trauma and all these different things. Like we are just complex, bizarre creatures and thank God that we exist because as long as people exist, I'll have something interesting to, to explore. And kind of my MO in life too is I, I try, I'll try almost anything. Um, I've never say never. I've, I've lived a lot of life. I feel like, um, I think my 15 year old redneck podunk town, town self will think I'm so cool. But my, my sort of MO when I go into something that might be a disaster is the worst case, it'll make for a good story. Um, there's mm. always something to explore and analyze and, and sort of be neurotic about, so. Yeah, it's interesting. I think I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't know if I would say the opposite, but I'm definitely one of those people that I've let fear control me too much. There are things I haven't done. I'm not like, not like afraid to like, skydive or something like that like i don't care about that kind of stuff that but i am fucking scared of <laughs> that's one of those you know what this is this this is the stupidest comparison to ever make because i've never i have i still have yet to go skydiving of anything along those lines but i learned that i felt that i'd be comfortable with it when i first wrote my first roller coaster because even though you're strapped in like that that's that feeling of the rush and it's like it felt free you know I that i felt maybe hey you know i'll just jump out of a plane too i don't you know, see what happens 
Yeah, I've uh, that's those are the one. I mean, maybe it's because of with, with roller coasters and skydiving, like those are things I can't even. I hate roller coasters, I fucking hate them. Like in high school, in physics, I was a nerd taking all the physics classes, and we had one day a year where we were allowed to go to Six Flags for physics field day, it was like a field day, a field trip. I was the one student both years who I chose on my own. I was like, no, thank you, I don't want to go to the Six Flags, I will do the written assignment and stay at school today. And that was me, so whatever that says about me as a human. <laughs> Yeah, it's, well, I think that's the interesting thing because I technically, it says something about us both on one level, but on a completely other level, it absolutely means nothing. It just, it's inconsequential, especially because that's the thing. We all think that other people think the same way we do. And the fact of the matter is they don't. And that's what changes things. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, that's, that's part of the, having been in using this to kind of explore my time at, at school um, when I was rowing and when I was in it, I was, I was rowing, uh, you know, 20, we were doing 20 hours a week, six mornings a week up at 5am every single day for, for, for four years. And mm. it's also double majoring and taking 18 hours and interning and, and working and um, in clubs and volunteering and just overextended. But to me, I, it felt normal. I was totally beat down and exhausted and, and waking up in tears. I was so fucking tired. Uh, and it was, it took me getting out of it to, to kind of have perspective. But when I started making this film, I asked one of my um, old teammates, I was like, what did everyone think about me back then? And she's like, everyone thought you were fucking psychotic. Cause you know, for me, I was like, everyone's going for this. Everyone's overextended. Everyone's sleeping three hours a night. Everyone's da, 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 da. And no, it's like what you're saying. We're all living our own experience, but we, we assume that everyone thinks just like us and it's just not the case. Yeah. Well, you know, to, to kind of change gears a little bit, you know, here at Overdue Rentals, we'd like to talk about films that people just kind of don't talk about anymore. They just, for some reason, don't exist in, 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 you know, they were popular, maybe they weren't popular, maybe they were bad, maybe they were good. And I'm wondering if there's a film, whether it was connected to how you felt about wanting to make The Novice or not, that you feel that people have kind of forgotten about that you wish was a little more prescient in people's minds. Yeah, I don't know if people have forgotten about this, but the thing that I've dived back into recently are late 80s and early 90s action films. Um, and even my friend during the pandemic, we would have a 1997 movie night. We would watch like 1997 blockbusters and then we went up to 1998 and whatever. And, uh, you know, watching films like Armageddon and Contact and, and even, you know, revisiting Lethal Weapon and all these different kind of old action films. I think that there's something about those films that um, I miss that these mm. days when I'm kind of going forward and thinking about what I want to do next and what I want to be the kind of, because uh, I fucking love that. I love action. I, I love, again, love all genres, but there's something about them that was like the spectacle of it. And maybe it was a pre 9-11 time. I don't know, but the 1997, 1998, 1999 movies, there's something there. Uh, maybe it's capturing the innocence of America. Maybe we'll never get back to that. I have no fucking clue, but what a time uh, yeah. in cinema. So. Well, thinking about like those type of action films too, like again, maybe there are some bigger names, but like I, I have a, there's just this part of me that is so obsessed with those, what I would consider two and a half star films. Like you watch it and you're like, ah, all right. But it's, it means a lot to the stuff, stuff like the last boy scout. You know, The Last Boy Scout was never an amazing movie, but I, just, it's, I like that movie. It's a really good movie. Well, I grew up, uh, I remember, I don't know any of the names of any of these movies I watched as a kid, but there's so many of that visceral imagery of um, 
like I don't know what this one is there's a scene I, I watched him on Saturday you know morning and this would be watched on channel 21 or whatever of there's like a cage fight and everyone's in a cage and you get a weapon that comes out and they, they're, they're killing each other inside the cage and then there's like a trailer park that gets shot up and I don't know like these <laughs> kind of, these and I have this one image too of this this kid who's picking beans and and his his brother dies next to him and he keeps picking beans and then goes home and the parents are like why are you why did you keep picking the beans and he's like I gotta pick the beans before the sun comes up like I don't know what the I don't know why I'm telling you about these moments but these are the things that I think about like these like weird visceral kind of experiences and it's like these emotionally charged things and there's no way these were good films like these were not fucking good movies yeah they did something to my brain as a, an eight-year-old watching them, nine-year-old on a, on a Saturday morning that there's a, a kind of spectacle there. And sometimes having the, the films that don't, you sometimes you, I do, and maybe this is why I was really kind of tapping into these 90s films and these action films is because they're, you can check out, but still, yeah, it's, it's, it's a ride. It's like you're letting your brain, all the neuroticism, you can just let go and uh, well, that. Now I know in the future when you make a film with a kid picking beans and not caring about his brother, I don't know where it came from. Somewhat. Yeah, and it's like it was, I can't believe that's the, the fucking thing that stuck with me twenty plus years later. But look, I mean, there's a there's a certain nostalgia to a lot of it too. I mean, like it it has a lot of fans and it has a lot of people who just love it because how crazy it is. But like one of my favorite films, of course, when I was a kid, was The Last Dragon, which is not really a good film but i think it's a film that everybody has to see because it's so amazing i haven't seen it i all gotta apparently watch it oh you have to oh <laughs> less drag i'm sure you've heard people make comments about it before but yeah it's a class this is it's barry barry gordy you know the owner of motown financed this film and it takes place in the 80s in the bronx where apparently everybody's just into kung fu and it's about this like crazy rich I, it's, well, it's about a lot of different things. I'm not even, I won't even tell, just see it. It's brilliant. Have you, I mean, have you, uh, I, I grew up also on, on musicals, like the G- Gypsy. Um, I actually have a Gypsy tattoo. My, my thing is whatever. I have a 19, uh, Natalie Wood and Gypsy, 1960. Nice. Scott Um, That was a thing. And Paint Your Wagon and uh, Auntie Mame with Lucille Ball. Like these are the movies that I was, was watching on repeat and yes. there's something about the musical too that is so the spectacle of it i think because this novice is not a subtle film um and and kill bill was the first film that i saw that not the first one i saw but the, that made me want to be a filmmaker i saw when i was sure. um and so that those are like punches to the face and that's like what i'm when i'm after i want to be punched in the face when i watch a movie you know it's good to know you know thank you for joining us but thank you so much for your time thank you for the film it's been great talking to you and thank you have a good day you too. So there you go, everybody. Thank you, Lauren, for joining us. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, sorry, Mike, that you couldn't be there to talk to, to, to Lauren about this uh, film with us and, and uh, kind of all the other things that she's enjoyed as a, as a film buff, not just a filmmaker. Uh, and uh, I'm really excited to see what we get from her in the future. Um, you know, but with that, go cross the novice off your overdue rentals list. It's time you see it. And then, yeah, if you haven't seen the other films we talked about, you know, go go see go see the Last Dragon. <laughs> that's the one. That's the one I'm going to focus on, the Last Dragon, because that's really. I mean, look, we're going to have an episode on it eventually. I'm sure. I almost feel it's not an overdue rental because I feel like it's got like cult classic status to it that brings it larger. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, go 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 cross the novice off your overdue rentals list. Thank you for joining us again. You can find us on all your favorite podcast uh, providers. You can find us on on uh, Twitter at Rentals Overdue. 
on Instagram at Overdurental Show. You can email us your suggestions, thoughts, practices, films you love, films you think we should cover at overdurentals at gmail.com. Until next time, bye-bye.